With threats to our nation waiting around every corner, adaptability is more important than ever. When conditions change without notice, quick strategic thinking is crucial. And with obstacles consistently impending, determination is essential in overcoming them. It's this willingness, decisiveness, and resilience that sets Marines apart. With our fighting spirit, we don't just fight battles, we win them. Marines are the constant our nation counts on to fight the unknown. And through adaptable problem solving, we do just that. Learn more at Marines.com. This is Husker Online, your authority on Nebraska athletics. In this weekly show, the Husker Online team will give you the latest insight on Husker football, basketball, baseball, and of course, recruiting. Now, here's your host, Husker Online publisher, Sean Callahan. Hello here and welcome again to another edition of the Husker Online Show. Sean Callahan, Steve Sipple, Robin Washett. Thank you for joining us here as we make our way through the dog days of February. But uh, spring football in sight, guys. We're about three weeks away from Nebraska opening up spring practice under Matt Rule. Uh, we learned this week, in fact, that they will start practice right away on Monday, March 20th, and they'll go on Tuesday that week as well as Thursday and Saturday. So they're going to get four of their 15 practices in over the first week because they're not going to practice over the weekend of Easter on that Saturday. So they're going to take one of those Easter weekdays and use it right away um, and get things going. And, you know, we've had a really good productive offseason. You know, we've, we've heard from now all the assistant coaches, all the strength coaches, all the coordinators. Uh, we heard from the final batch of assistant coaches here on Wednesday, offensive line coach Donovan Riola, strength coach, Corey Campbell, and then linebackers coach Rob Dvorak. They met with the reporters here on Wednesday. Any big takeaways, particularly from Riola? I mean, it was the first time, simple that we've heard from Donovan Riola since he had been retained. And, you know, it was just interesting to hear him now as the lone member of the previous staff now working for Matt Rule. Yeah, I, yeah. I mean, I thought he was very productive. And if you just want to go right into the weeds, I would start with Ben Scott. I don't know what you guys thought. I just thought Ben Scott would be the center. And Donovan Rayola didn't he didn't necessarily he didn't really say, yeah, he'll be the center. They're gonna look at him at other well, spots. They could use him at tackle. He started eleven games at tackle. Right tackle. At right tackle for Arizona State in twenty twenty one. I think he actually started thirteen games at right tackle for Arizona State in twenty twenty one. Then he started at center all season in 2022, 11 games. So I suppose you could play him at tackle um, or probably guard for that matter. So yeah. what did you think of that, Sean? What that makes me think is the thought of right tackle. Like if they don't think Ben Hart is a viable right tackle or yeah. Corcoran, we're assuming Prohaska's back, Teddy Prohaska coming off the shoulder injury. He won't be, he won't be there in the spring, though. But He's not playing in the spring. Ben Scott – right tackle, Ethan Piper center, or Corcoran center. I, I think it's all in the pursuit of giving you the combination of the best five, but I still go back to my conversation with Ben Scott in December when he came here, and it, it, he seemed pretty adamant that it was to play center. Yeah, but 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 you, but you correct me if I'm wrong, Donovan Rayola didn't seem adamant about Ben Scott playing center today. Yeah, I took that as just – you know, Raiola being Raiola, where he's not going to crown anybody in February. And, you know, it's going to be one of those things where you leave the competition open. You got to make guys earn spots. And mm -hmm. sure, they'll probably cross train him to see what other combinations could work. And if he is a better fit at guard or tackle and they feel good about the center position with somebody else, then they might go that way. But one thing that he made abundantly clear was he takes center about as seriously as any position on that offensive line. He's a former center. He called it the specialized, the special position of the offensive line, where you are the brains of the offensive line. You have to make the calls. You have to be a confident, natural leader mm -hmm. to be able to make the calls on the line of scrimmage, sometimes in hostile environments. And so uh, it takes a certain player that can be a center for Donovan Riola and really anywhere, but uh, – that leads me to believe that when they went and handpicked Ben Scott and brought him in here with all the things that he was talking about um, from, from his side of it and just what we know about him, he seems like the natural fit. I'm sure I they're guess. leaving that door open, but yeah. I think it's a safe assumption at this I, point. I, maybe, I don't know. I didn't get that. I, I wrote, Just to respect you guys, I it seemed he was very open to Well, ben their tackle play has been historically bad. Right. Yeah. And they return the same guys, right? Yeah. 
That's what I'm saying, Sean. I mean, that's exactly what I'm saying. If you're also, historically bad, you got to make some changes. Right. I yeah. I kind of that was that was eye opening. Do you me. agree that the ideal plan is for him to be yes. at center? That's yeah. Like Walter yeah. Rouse. That's what I thought all along. Not yeah. coming here is the gift that continues to keep giving. <laughs> that that like probably changed a lot of the discussion. I mean, probably think about the two day period where they thought they had Walter Rouse to where they're at two now. Days. Yeah. Yeah. That Saturday morning was. I thought it was Twilight Zone stuff. The Saturday morning when it came out that he was going to Oklahoma, it was like, oh, whoa! Yep. I mean, it was it was it was interesting writing the story because I was like, is this fiction? What am I doing here? After he just gave full interviews, yeah. about coming to <laughs> Nebraska, like it wasn't like there were like full interviews. Jeez, it was bizarre. Anyway, the other takeaway I was also struck by: wow, he's they're really welcoming back Noradi Noeli with open arms. Clearly. And now, and by the way, he didn't. He mentioned Nora Dean as a possible tackle mm-hmm. that he could go. Out he might there. get some left tackle work with Teddy. Yeah. You know, yeah. I heard he's trimmed up quite a bit and looks good. So yeah, that's a big one. That, and and people tend to forget Noeli because he, you know, he was out all of last year. He he failed a drug test. He was an in the NCAA ruled him ineligible. So my big takeaways with Dominic were basically player related, but also just Donovan. Don, I'm sorry, Donovan. Yeah, what did I say? Dominic. Yeah, oh my God. Um, Dylan, let's just say Dylan too. You've talked to a lot of Riolas. <laughs> Donovan, and it was a no-brainer for him to come back. He said, you know, and I don't know what kind of options he had. Now Rule had other options. Mm-hmm. He interviewed several candidates, but um, so yeah, I thought that I thought Donovan was productive today. Well, and you know, going back to New Willie a little bit, I thought it was notable that he said he would, did not miss a meeting. Yeah. All last season while he was out. Yeah, that's impressive. And, you know, I'm sure part of that is, like, if you want to be around, you better come to the meetings. But he did it and, you know, followed that standard that Donovan always talks about when he he talks about the O-line. So it seems like he's going to be hitting the ground running here when they get back to work in spring. I'll bet you he's chomping at the bit after – a very disappointing end of last year. You're listening here to the Husker Line Show. Let's wrap up the discussion here on the assistant coaches. Rob Dvorak, a um, couple things jumped out that he said to me. Um, Chief Borders and MJ Sherman, I believe, both in his room. Sounded like it. And, mm-hmm. you know, it, it's so hard to know how this 3 3 5 works. And then the other thing with Corey Campbell, the strength coach, um, I think it was big that he got here. And I asked him this about getting here on November 28th. Because he kind of figured out a way to get a whole month with these guys before they came back in January. When you go back to Zach Duvall, when he came in with Frost, they didn't have a strength coach for like 50 days. And then they literally had guys go to the hospital. uh, With Rabdo. When they had their workouts. Um, (laughs) Darn near killed some guys. (laughs) It's easy. (laughs) Well, like – there were, Tyjon Lindsay was in the hospital. They were hospitalized. Uh, like, Dylan <laughs> Owen, a walk-on, I remember. Was, I mean, there were several guys. And I think we got, like, the Cliff Notes version. I think, I mean, it was... it was. But we did get... Frost was, did do, a, like, a round of interviews about it. I mean, I would say he was pretty transparent about it. Imagine if that would have happened in year five, though, versus year one. I mean... I don't want to talk about that. Yeah, it's a whole other show. Yeah. <laughs> so with the Campbell thing, too, about your point about how important it was for them to get here, mm-hmm. especially for him to get here, uh, to, to get the process started with their strength and conditioning program as quickly as possible and maximize every day that they have. And what it started with was just getting to know guys, the relationships. Again, yeah. another coach hammering home the importance of relationships yep. being the primary focus yep. right out of the gates. And it started with getting to know guys and earning that trust to where, you know, it's not just, hey, this is my program, go lift. It's this is why I'm doing what we're what we're doing. And this yeah. is my long-term plan. And the fact that it's a specialized program for each guy, like it's not just a across the board everyone on the team does this it's they test and do use all the sports science resources available and each player has their own starting point and they get they go day for day and kind of build off of that mm-hmm. they haven't even maxed out yet because mm-hmm. you know it's too early they're still mm-hmm. trying to figure out where guys are with their conditioning and, and their training so um, a really kind of interesting inside look into his philosophy and why it was so critical for for he and matt rule to basically get that thing rolling as soon as they step foot off the plane of November. Campbell Campbell was insightful. And you know, think about it. Think about Corey Campbell. He he said this. He gets to put his stamp on the weight room in that new mm-hmm. brand new facility. Mm-hmm. And he, he's he's doing it. It's he will do it. He's put but 
But that to me is very, that would be very appealing to me as a strength coach. Mm -hmm. And he did say that that is a recruiting advantage. Oh yeah. I didn't know. I didn't know what he would say to that question because some people would say, ah, new facilities, kids don't look at that as much. He he just said, yeah, that's a recruiting. It's a big time recruiting advantage. You're listening here to the Husker Line shows. We wrap up opening headlines. Couple, I want to hit on Nebraska basketball and baseball quickly, guys. Uh, First of all, Nebraska basketball, red hot. And, Robin, you know, you've been around and you've seen runs and streaks. Uh, runs and streaks this time of the year, obviously, are rare. And, and, you know, Nebraska's got a chance. What are they in February right now? Three and one? Four and one. Four and, four and one in February. One. Come on, Sean. I mean, they've got a chance to be six and one in the month of February. If I would have told you that. Mm, Robin, remember Robin, though? He said the back end of the schedule. If they could get to it. Yeah. yeah. And that they, was the key. And they almost and, didn't And it didn't to. look like they were going to during that stretch in January when they lost. Six of seven. Six of seven. Yeah. And we're getting blown out. I mean, oh. there's some ugly losses there. So, uh, obviously, it's kind of been a perfect storm of events where uh, they shifted their identity to kind of more of an offensive approach. But they couldn't have done that without Casey Tomanaga. No. I mean, he is the one that has spearheaded everything. The ripple effect of his production over the last, really, 11 games, but especially the last five, uh, has been incredible. It's made life easier for Derek Walker. It's allowed Sam Greasel to um, have a little bit pressure, less pressure off him and just kind of opened up everything to where Nebraska has a bona fide go-to scorer now, which they haven't had in a while, or at least not one at this level. So... Um, that's really been fascinating, and the fact that they were able to overcome a January where we were wondering if Fred Hoiberg was even going to be here next year. And now we're talking about can they make the NCAA play tournaments? Like what what scenarios need to play what out? What is the scenario? Everybody asks that. Yeah, what is the scenario? It's it's an uphill battle. What they essentially need to Get to win Saturday. out. <laughs> need to win out, and then they need to win probably three in Chicago. Or two for sure. I mean. Two would give them a 19. Yeah. I, I think this is going to get crazy. I do. Because I think they're going to win the last three regular I know. I heard games. you say that. And I don't know. Maybe it's just the beaten down Nebraska beat writer in me. But, you know, I, I'm not ready to jump there yet. I'm I'll, not beaten here, down. Here's what I want to see. Why, why can't sip, they? Sip. Here's what I want to see. For the first time all season long, they are the hunt, the hunted. Yeah. Like on Saturday. That's true. They are expected to beat a Minnesota team that's going to be running on fumes. Yeah. We, I mean, we can talk about this more in the, ba- the basketball segment. But – that is, if they can win that one and do it convincingly, all of a sudden I think that maybe there's a little bit more belief of them beating Michigan State, beating Iowa, and whoever they play in Chicago. Yeah, people are so jacked up though. I mean, I, at it's been those, a long time at those games. <laughs> that game on Sunday it was, I mean, like you best left crowd that of the season arena, just like yeah. I mean, everybody was just. I mean, it was unbelievable. Just how oh, that visceral like, reaction. Abby. Like even like my young kids, third yeah. grade. Were they? Did they do what you just I mean, did? Like my when Casey <laughs> hit that shot in overtime, my third grade daughter Kit, you yeah. know, it's not played basketball before, but she gets what's going on. I mean, she was like, I've never seen her get so excited at anything, really? and I was like, man, and you could see that around the whole arena, kids. Anyway, I mean, this this team captivates you. The it Sam does. Hoiberg story, the Casey story, the Greasel story, Derek, and we kind of sit near Greasel's family, and you know, just watching the emotion of his mom and dad. I mean, mm-hmm. it's just it's man. Amazing. I mean, yeah, it's a likable like, team. It's Any fun. in-state guy out there, like, you could be Sam Greasel. You could be a hero if you come here. And these mm-hmm. guys all go all over the place. That's great. Yep. Come to Nebraska, yep. and this whole place would get behind you. It's unreal. That's, that's what's happening right now. Well, and now they actually have tangible evidence of this is what happens. You yep. know? And it's, yeah, the place is nuts. Yep. It's a hungry fan base. It's a de- hungry for anything. Starved fan base. Yeah. It's a starved fan base. <laughs> right. To have meaningful basketball in late February for uh-huh. the first time since probably 2019. Yeah. That, that says something. And then briefly, Nebraska baseball, 0-3-1. Yeah, flip side. And, you know, I know it's early, but some alarming pitching numbers came out of San Diego uh, this past weekend. When you just kind of look at the line score, Nebraska's pitchers gave up 20 walks, 10 hit-by-pitches, and 31 in a third inning. So they gave up 30 free passes – and 31 in the third innings. Yikes. I don't know what to say about that. And I know. that that has to get your attention right now. And now they have South Alabama. Then they're going to play like the next weekend they're in Minneapolis. They're going to play Old Miss and Vanderbilt. And it's Better indoors, by the way, not outdoors. They're playing inside the uh, the Vikings stadium there. Um, so, yeah, this is a – man, I mean, it's early in the baseball season, but 
that was an alarming weekend. I'd say so. Um, I Get mean, your attention. It started off with the offense being very subpar. They were th- in the first two games. They were three for nineteen, three for nineteen with runners in scoring position. And will will either call that abysmal or atrocious. I, I don't. He he called the pitching the the lack of control either abysmal or a, atrocious. My point is when the head coach is using the words abysmal and atro- atrocious right out of the gate. First of all, if I'm the pitching coach, that concerns me, um, that my that my boss is using the word atrocious um, to describe what's going on with, with the walks. Um, so, I, you know, Will's, Will's got a heavy hand in the offense, so that's on him too. Well, he's, he's the manager. I, you don't want to overreact, but you don't want to underreact. There's a yeah. there's a sweet spot. Why, you yeah. Hit. Why are they playing under so much pressure? That that's well. Like, why do you think there's? I, I don't know if there's pressure. Well, because of last year, the walks and the hit by pitches though. That that's pressure. Like guys not getting yeah, it over the plate. That's between the years. Like you think the when, mental when like pitchers why, can't put it over the plate. That's mental. Why playing basically in empty ballparks in San Diego in week one? Are you like can't put it over the plate? Like, why can't you relax? Like yeah. that. That's I don't know that. All right, I'm with you. Here, here was a stunning stat from that. The last time they scored 16 runs in a game and didn't win was 1996 when they lost 17 to 16. Man. So, I mean, you're talking about decades John yeah. Sanders since era. the last time that happened. Yeah, I was All in right. my prime. Uh, All right, well. No, I wasn't, actually. I, that's past my prime even. My God. <laughs> oh. <laughs> I'm sorry. I'm sorry. No, no. Nope, nope. You're very much in your prime. No. Yeah. As I... I, I and speaking of your prime, I can tell we're going to talk about our road trip out to Ainsworth. Yeah. Um, we listened to that game one on the oh, yes, drive did. back on Highway 20 coming back on Friday night. But we're going to talk about our trip out to Ainsworth next. Uh, we spent a lot of time with Carter Nelson, his father Jake, and his coach Jesse Owen. We're going to break all that down next. You're listening here to the Husker Online Show. Hi, it's Sean Callahan with Husker Online. We all have smartphones, and we all know they're pretty amazing. But they also can be amazingly distracting, especially when we're around other people. So U.S. Cellular wants us to reset our relationship with our phones by putting down our phones for five. That's right. A company that sells phones wants us to put down our phones and see what we find. Learn more at uscellular.com slash built for us. You're listening to the Husker Online Show, your authority on Nebraska athletics. And we're back here on the Husker Online Show. Sean Callahan, Steve Sippel, Robin Washett. Uh, before I get into some Carter Nelson discussion, the segment of the program brought to you by Tanner's Sports Bar and Grill, 30th Yankee Hill Road. Stopped in there actually Saturday night. Uh, met Brian Munson. He was in town, obviously, for the in-state tour. was out in Ainsworth with us. And we ran into Tim Carpenter, Matt Hoskinson, uh, a group of former Husker players there that we were meeting up with. And we saw a bunch of current Husker players in there eating wings. Uh, Garrett Nelson ha- had some st- promotional stuff from the commercials, and all the guys were kind of in there ha- hanging out, enjoying some uh, Tanner's wings, watching games. Place was packed. It was buzzing. Uh, Tanner's Sports Bar and Grill, 30th and Yankee Hill Road, Best wings in town, cold beer, burgers, sandwiches. Get in there and check it out. But let's talk about Carter Nelson. Uh, Sip, you and I trekked out there Friday morning, four, four-and-a-half-hour drive. Uh, but it, it was relaxing. I, I enjoyed the drive. It was fun just to kind of get up there, get away. Uh, but we got our first chance to see this kid live and in action. And, you know, it was kind of surreal. We, like, walked in the school, mm-hmm. and there's this kid in the gym just by himself shooting baskets. Yeah, and it was him. And I'll tell you what, I, what, it was surreal. I'm glad you mentioned that part, Sean, because when you walked in, and, you know, I think we all have these images. If you if you say number one player in any state, I, I don't know about you, but I kind of want him to look a certain way, you know. And when we walked in, that's what you want it to look like. I mean, it looked like, you know, he's a 6'4". I, I don't know, they – program lists him at six five their program we yeah he's six four as he'll tell you you know okay. basketball program anyway six four two fifteen extreme i mean it's extreme athleticism and you could see it you could you walk in you see you see this high school kid in ainsworth just shooting hoops you're like Whoa. yeah that has to be him if they have two like that <laughs> it'd be really weird <laughs> um they don't because hardly anybody would it was a great trip I mean, it was very informative. You know, we, we talked to his dad, who's the basketball Jake coach. Jake Nelson. Jake Nelson. Um, you know, 
we talked to the two. Come on, Sean, help me out. Jesse here. Owen, the head football. Yeah, coach. the head football coach was great. Another of the track coaches, Wade Alberts, was great. And you know, and and I'll tell you what, Carter himself is really good to talk to. He's a very mature kid. And what what they really drive home on this is if you if you're skeptical about the eight man thing. Mm-hmm. If you're skeptical of, you know, small town guy being the number one player in the state, just look at his track numbers and look specifically at the seven foot high jump. Now that's that now that anybody who knows track knows now that's territory. When you get to seven foot, that's the differentiator. Mm-hmm. And he's he's a seven foot high jumper. With, with all that size. And a 13-8 pole vaulter, which is maybe even more impressive because of how big he is. Yeah, it's pretty impressive. I'm, I'm saying the high jump's more impressive. Um, But, that, yeah, the pole vault, he's a very powerful I mean, they don't even kid. make poles big enough to handle him. Right, they got to go find pole. They got to try to rent poles because he snaps them in half. Yeah, he's a he's a and you know the whole – and I don't, get, I don't get too wound up about guys who are able to dunk a basketball. That's pretty standard stuff. But the ease with which he does it is a little freaky. Yeah, there's t- there's something telling, which is the explosiveness yeah. that it takes. Yeah, he's a, to elevate. He, yeah, he doesn't. He does it with ease. You know, he he took a lob on a fast break, two handed tomahawk. It was it was like okay, wait a second, you know. And um, he didn't force the basketball game to come to him. No, he doesn't do that. He doesn't it just came to, to him. Yeah. Like you know, it wasn't like he was like, give me the ball, I'm going to shoot a bunch of threes and no, clear. I mean, the sure sign of a great athlete is if it looks easy. Um, that's a sure like, sign, and it looked really easy to him. Brian brought this up, and you know he's almost like a modern day Tom Crop. Oh God, that's mm. interesting. And you know Tom so Crop, people was, aren't going to know who you're talking about. Well, Tom Crop could have played pro. He's, he he did. He played in the NBA for the Washington in three, multiple sports, not yeah. just. So he was an NBA basketball player. He could have been a. Um, he could have played for the Pittsburgh Steelers. Um, Carney guy, and then he he was a you know high level ch- ch- uh, track athlete. Was he from Kearney? No, no, no. He's not, he went to UNK. He's from Aurora. Oh, from Aurora. Thank you. My he was born in Grand Island. Okay. Went to high school in Aurora. Okay. He was UNK's coach for basketball, legend. I mean, he played legendary lunch basketball games where he would they would play full court one-on-one, him and a guy. They would go back and forth one-on-one. But anyway, that that's what you think of just like a With spec- Carter. Yeah, Carter Nelson is like a modern-day potential Tom Crop kind of guy. Yeah. When and Potential. He, and he's Tom, Tom Crop is one of the five best athletes to ever come through the state. Yeah, here's the deal. He's the number one player. He's now he got an offer today. Georgia from Georgia, Texas, Texas A and M this week. Alabama coach Nick Saban called him. Now it does mean something when the head coach calls yeah, you. That's not an assistant coach. No, no Saban. Yeah, Saban called an offer. That means a lot. Um, they're, now I think he's probably up to 24 or 25. Over, 20, over 25 now. Over 25. he got Old Miss this week. He was at 22 when we were there. And he power got, 5. Yeah. All, all power, power five. 5. So yeah. he's like at 26 or 27 power 5s, and there's only 65 power 5s. Yeah, programs. Sean, I really appreciate that you wanted to go up there. It was definitely worth the trip to see him. I mean, it was he's a, it's a great story to follow now. And, you know, I don't know. Nebraska's got work to do. I mean, I'm not – I just think – well, and I think Sean, you would say they put the Jake Nelson and Carter play very close to the vest on when they start discussing options. And I don't even know if anyone's advising him; they're just being really smart about it. Yeah, like, they seem smart. Like they, I, I mean, I think in their heart they like Nebraska, but Nebraska may not be the best place for them. They don't know that yet. And <laughs> yeah, when you get Alabama, Georgia, you know Freeman, the Notre Dame coach, flew in. I mean, he the, the head coach. Flew in to see him, and then that story. Connor Riley, the Kansas State offensive line coach, who yeah. um, is an he Omaha great, great prep. Story. T- yeah. Tell that story, Sid. Yeah, it was a great story. It was last spring, so it was last April twelfth during the spring season. Carter Nelson um, was at the O'Neill Invitational. I think it was the O'Neill Invitational, and and Carter won four golds that day. Or no, I'm wrong. I, I got it, it was back. A track it was practice. just a practice in April. It was a track practice last April, and. He was going through his his various things, and he grabbed the pole and uh, did a pole vault. And the Kansas State coach filmed it. One 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 trip down the runway, he turned to Jesse Owen, the football coach, and said, "Hey, how's your runway out here uh, at Ainsworth Airport? Is it is it long enough?" And, and Jesse's like, "Yeah." Why well, goes? Because there's a lot of people coming. There's going to be a lot of people coming, and they're coming. 
I mean, they are. They're coming. And he's at 20. I just did a count. That was last April. He's at 28 total uh, offers. 27 are power five. Okay. Iowa State was the first to offer. And Nebraska, I believe, was the second. Yeah. The reason I got mixed up on that is because I, he went to Iowa State last April 13th, the day after he won four gold medals at the O'Neill Invitational. And he high jumped seven foot there, right? Yeah, I think Which he, is a yeah. Class C state record freak. Yeah, well, it led, the, it led the nation for a period last spring. That was the highest high jump in the nation last spring. Yeah, he's a freak of That's like, When I talk to young football players, I always tell them, like, go out for track. Because if you put up measurable marks in track – Nobody can dispute it. Like you can't, it's undefeated. Especially yeah, like, if you're at one of those smaller schools, you're not right. going to get the exposure. If I mean, Carter Nelson, so invaluable. If he did not, those have numbers track, translate. Yeah, like they he, do. They do. They're, if he wasn't a track athlete, he wouldn't have these offers. You don't think? Yeah, probably not. How would you see him? Yeah. Yeah. Saban mentioned to him the seven foot jump. Everybody knows that follows it at all. That seven foot's a like when you see seven foot, you're like whoa, 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 whoa. One eleven flat in the hundred. He's a school record holder in the low twenty twos in the two hundred. Right. He throws a discus one seventy five. Yeah, he's amazing. So it was fun. Um, I it'll be interesting to watch this play out, and it's interesting from the standpoint of he could be catching passes from Dylan Rayola. You know. Yeah. So you touched on this earlier, Sip, about the stigma with eight-man yeah. players. It's it's a real thing. Because I remember not too long ago, I was out at Fremont Mills High School in western Iowa watching Seth Malcolm. And mm-hmm. he was playing an eight-man game out there. And he was by far the best athlete on the field. Biggest, strongest, fastest guy. Like, no-brainer, best player. Comes to Nebraska. And, you know, I mean, he's still early, but we haven't heard a peep. I haven't heard a peep. Anything about him. No, so, no. So what... What makes you more confident that Carter Nelson, outside of just his athleticism, is going to be able to handle that jump from eight-man Nebraska high school football up to Big Ten level football or SEC level football? It's hard to say that except what we're saying about the the, – He just has the the track. Physical intangibles. Yeah. And, I mean, he is a smart kid, but no, you don't know. And I've – I mean, you could say that with anybody. Like, you, It happens a lot, Rob, when these kids – okay, so he's bigger than everybody, faster than everybody that he plays mostly. Now, you never know exactly how a guy's going to be, even in, even in basketball, when they, when they get – when they start playing against guys who are just as fast, jump just as high, stronger or strong as – as strong or stronger – so I've seen guys at Nebraska just go away. They just mm-hmm. they just can't do it. They're so they're so used to being the man, and then when they're not, mm, mm-hmm. it doesn't work. I've seen it. All, I've seen it many times. Guys just go away, and I can't say what's going to happen with Carter Nelson. I don't know what's it going to look like when he's blocking somebody this as big as him. Mm-hmm. I don't know. Mm-hmm. We'll have to see on that. Yeah, you're listening here to the Husker Online show as we put some final thoughts here. Yeah, and the, the timeline, he's going to go on trips. Okay. And that's the, what we learned. They're going to go on a West Coast swing and an East Coast swing. And I would imagine Georgia, Alabama, the Texas schools, like all of those are going to factor in. Uh, but they've got a lot of decisions to make. He hasn't, he hasn't gotten any offers from the West Coast Pac-12 schools, but they expect those to come. And that would be UCLA and USC and or, Oregon and Wa- has Oregon and Washington. Yeah, you look at his offer list now. Well, when we were talking to him last week, he hadn't had gotten any offers from those schools. No, there's no West Coast offers yet. Okay, you're you're right. Yeah, they're He's, waiting. Um, and they're he hearing does, from him. Though, he sure. doesn't have Ohio State or Clemson. I mean, if you're talking like big boys – uh, those those aren't on there yet. I, I won't be too long. And LSU is not on his list yet. So, I mean, he's pretty much got everybody at this point. Oklahoma is on his list, as you mentioned. Texas, Texas A&M, Alabama, Georgia, Notre Dame, Nebraska, Wisconsin, Iowa, Colorado. And Colorado's become a big offer now. Like, the buzz around Deion yeah. Sanders and, and what they're doing. So, whew, it's uh, it's going to be interesting. Yeah, and, and I knew it was going to be big when we went up there. I mean, but we just kind of fell into it. Like, we got Did the you? timing of the trip when we went up to Ainsworth probably couldn't have been better. No, it worked out perfectly. He's get, he got that Alabama offer on Thursday. We were there on Friday. And then I think you said that on last Thursday, too, Georgia, four assistant coaches followed him on Twitter, right? He had 113 unread messages in his inbox on Twitter. Is that right? On Friday. Yeah. So, like, if you're a reporter or somebody, you're probably not going to get Carter right now. He's overwhelmed. 
Yeah. Um, you know, his father and the coaches are, you know, like. He seemed to handle it well. He handled there. it well with us, but how do you, at, at that age, handle that many people wanting to contact you? Yeah, I, get I, I know how we get when yeah. we're trying to manage a bunch of things. Imagine a kid. Yeah. Well, hopefully he handles it better than I do. <laughs> but, but, but anyway, I yeah, it's exciting. I think I think if he I, hopefully he just recognizes that this is a small moment in time and it's it's exciting mm-hmm. to in have six these months. It's guys. probably going to be figured out, you know. Yeah. So it's a very short moment and he should really have fun with it. All right, when we come back, we're going to bring basketball talk into the discussion here again as Robin Washett will get us ready for the Saturday showdown against Minnesota. You're listening here to the Husker Online Show. You're a podcast listener, and this is a podcast ad. Reach great listeners like yourself with podcast advertising from Lips and Ads. Choose from hundreds of top podcasts offering host endorsements, or run a reproduced ad like this one across thousands of shows to reach your target audience with Lips and Ads. Go to lipsandads.com now. That's L I B S Y N ads.com. You're listening to the Husker Online Show, your authority on Nebraska athletics. And we're back here on the Husker Online Show. Sean Callahan, Steve Sipple, Robin Washett, getting you ready now for Saturday's uh, what should be a sold out standing room environment, a coveted 2.30 old school Saturday tip off. Nebraska basketball taking on Minnesota and Pinnacle Bank Arena, 2.30 on the BTN, Robin. Um, this is a game that you watched in Minneapolis where Nebraska won earlier in the year in overtime. Uh, I think timing is on the side of Nebraska. Minnesota playing their third game of the week, um, traveling again. Third road game. So what, what, what's, I mean, what's the early metrics look like? Nebraska probably by eight or ten point favorites at this point? Or? At least. Uh, right now, obviously no point spread out as of recording time, but looking at the Ken Palm projections, uh, they got Nebraska's an 84% chance to win that game with a projected score of 70 to 59. So you're looking at a uh, double-figure margin in a game that Nebraska, if they are legitimately a postseason team, you win this game. There's no ifs, ands, or buts about it. This is a a bad Minnesota team that you already beat once. Granted, it took you overtime, but that was back on January 7th when you were going through your own issues uh, and, and you found a way to get it done. Now you catch them, like I said, playing their third road game in six days. They were Minnesota. At, yes, Minnesota. They were at uh, Illinois on Monday, at Maryland on Wednesday, and then in Lincoln on Saturday. And so they're going to be running on fumes. Uh, they're by far dead last in the big 10 standings, you know, to their credit, they're still playing hard. Like, you know, they gave Illinois a little bit of a fight, but the reality is that if Nebraska, all this talk about them being a NIT team, or maybe even making a miracle run to the NCAA tournament, that doesn't happen if you don't win this game. So this is an interesting scene for me because this is the first time in a long time, maybe since the start of (laughs) the new year, uh, where Nebraska is expected to win where they are the hunted, you know, before it was always, can they pull off an upset? Well, now you're coming in double, maybe double figure favorites. How do they handle that? And are they capable of taking care of business when they're supposed to? Yeah. And how do they handle this week? Kind of a week. It's a week layoff. Yeah. Um, They had a five day break followed by a six day break. Yeah. Now that's, that's, I mean, the worst time has got to manage that. Worst timing. Yeah, you, they're a hot team. When you're playing this well. Yeah, they're a hot team, and you'd like to see that. It is a real conversation, too. I think any coach would tell you that. I think Fred would tell you he'd rather would have like a midweek game this week. Well, and right before that, they played, what, four games in like two weeks? You're right, too, Rob. The, mind sh- the mindset thing is something to watch. I mean, they they haven't had pressure on them. No. Now there's a little bit of pressure because sure. of they're the favorite and because – now you are talking about the postseason. Can't really afford to lose much at all, especially if you're going to go to the NCAA tournament. I mean, I can't even believe we're talking about that. But I do believe it's real. I think that I've said that I think that they'll win the last three of the regular season. And then, no, you got to go win three games probably. And, uh, and I think you would agree, Robin, they're dangerous to any team in the league right now. Especially yeah. on a neutral floor. Ultimate spoiler. Yeah. Right now. I mean, yeah. if uh, you don't want them right now. No. It's because they are so 
unique in how you have to defend them. They have a 6'7", 215-pound point guard. They've got a center that brings the ball up and initiates the offense out of the high post. They've got uh, one of the most undefendable shooters in the league right now in Casey Tomanaga. And so, I mean, you just go down the board, like, they're just a hard scout. And if they're, with the effort that they play, that's what really separates it. They have all these pieces, but the collective effort in which they play makes them so difficult. Now, Robin, are you still your voter for the All Big Ten teams, yes. right? What What is your read on Toganam? If, if this continues Tamanaga. in these final three games, what is your read on can, can he slide into like a third team? I get yeah. it, the first team is yeah, he's not first untouchable, team. but the second team, third team, like is he going to? Win or is it is 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 he just not popular enough amongst the league? Oh, he is popular enough. Like that's the difference. Like before, there's guys that have been deserving. Like from a st- statistic standpoint, Alonzo Verge should have been an All Big Ten player last year. But he just didn't have the. Was he an honorable mention? No, he's not even honorable mention. And so, I mean, but he like led the league in assists. Or, you know, he, anyway. So that like ridiculous. that's an example of a guy that didn't have that. And so now, every opposing coach knows who Casey Tominaga is. When he gets the ball and shoots it, you have assistant coaches from the other team yelling shooter at the top of their lungs because he has their full attention. So from a coach's vote, there's that. Then you have the media vote where I have I follow a bunch of beat writers from around the league and the uh, unanimous love that he gets from opposing writers is something I haven't seen a Nebraska player get maybe ever. Uh, at least as far as I've been doing this. I mean, he's so fun to watch that you have people from other teams rooting for him and tuning into Nebraska games to watch Kase play. And so that, I mean, that's half the battle right there is getting on the radar and being taken seriously. And you add that with the production, I mean, he's going to finish as one of the top scorers, at least over this back end of the season, in the entire conference. And so you pair the popularity with the production, I think he's going to have a chance I'm not saying he will. He could slide in at third team, but he's an honorable mention. Second no team's going to be hard, right? Yeah, I mean, but just, third team would be a heck of a coup. Yeah, I mean, there's like pros in the second team, so like, you know, it's that that isn't a knock on him, but it's I just, think third team is certainly attainable. And I'm, who knows? What if they what if they make a run in Chicago? I know. Then maybe that changes the conversation even more. Yeah, that, he's dangerous in part because Derek Walker. Um, that two man game is fantastic. Oh, it him. is. Derek's a, Derek Walker's a fa- now he's a fascinating player to me. We, are, we I asked you this on my radio show, Robin. I haven't seen a player at Nebraska like Walker. I don't think in my lifetime. I mean, they've had undersized centers like Andre Smith. Now it's going back to the late seventies, early eighties. But Andre didn't face up, square up with this man, going to the basket, and he wasn't. I mean, Andre could use his left or right, but man, Derek Walker, his ability to use to go left or right is incredible, and he shoots it with his left, his offhand. Mm-hmm. He's he's really hard to guard. I mean, from a versatility standpoint, offensively, maybe the closest comp, and this is probably isn't even fair to Derek, would be like Ryan Anderson. Remember, right, yeah, remember yeah. when Doc's mini me lineup that yeah, they had when yeah. he was playing the five, yeah. six six guy playing the five. I don't I even mean, think he was six six. I mean, so like that was six, like six five. four. Yeah, yeah, four six five. So anyway, yeah. either way, he was your five, and yeah, so like bizarre. That is kind of what we're talking about here. Where I mean, there hasn't been a player now. Derek, his jump shot is almost non-existent, but his ability to get to the rim, finish at the rim, and facilitate for others. I mean, good passer. It's it's few and far between at Nebraska for for guys playing the five position to do everything that I mean, we're not talking about. He's like their number one press break guy. Like, Isn't so when amazing? teams, when teams pressure them, he's the, he's the safety valve yeah. that they get it to and get it across half courts. I mean, yeah. he does so much for this team and a big part of Casey Tomanaga's surge is because of Derek Walker. Hey, and Sam Hoiberg, I know we got to mention him too, Absolutely. because Thank you, Sean. that's been maybe first man off the bench against Maryland. That, that maybe has been as big of a surprise, if not bigger. I mean, this is a guy that redshirted last year, right? Robin? Yep. yep. And, was not even in the conversation to see the court no. before the injuries. No, and you know, I'd heard going into the year. I remember going to that Colorado game. They had a scrimmage right before that, the exhibition at Colorado this season. They had a scrimmage right before that, and apparently he scored like twenty six points and hit a bunch <laughs> of threes. And so, like, <laughs> really, like that kind of like caught guys' attention. Yeah, sure, like, you know, maybe there's a little something here, but he's still a six foot, one hundred eighty pound walk on. You know, like those guys aren't supposed to come in 
and do what he's been doing. Not just playing, but making critical game-winning plays on both ends of the floor. You remember when that offense was going through that drought against Maryland when they were down eight in the second half? They couldn't do anything. Uh, Sam Hoiberg stepped up and hit a three. Big three. And then you go down to the steal at the end, and then the very last possession of regulation, when he's matched up against Jameer Young, who is probably a first-team all-league guard. And one-on-one, everybody knew who was getting the ball, and Sam Hoiberg was locked in on him. It was Mm -hmm. funny. The new nickname for him now, courtesy of Trey McGowan, is Seatbelt Sam. Because when he's on you, you're sitting down. (laughs) (laughs) He's good. I mean, he's legit. That's the – I mean, that's – and he probably had to convince a lot of the fan base that he's not just a cute little story. Yeah. Um, Yeah. It's beyond that. That Maryland game changed everything for him. Well, he's playing against a team that's very – I mean, it's a tall, athletic team, yeah. and he's he's just fine. And he fought it. Yeah, he's fine. He had 9.6 rebounds and two steals in that game. He was gigantic. And he had proved – I thought he had proved himself capable before that. Um, I, he, he's legit. He can shoot. I mean, the first the first go-round at Maryland, at Maryland. Yeah, he showed it. Yeah, he showed early in that game. Yeah, he showed it all in offseason. So uh, yeah. last year, he was on the scout team, obviously, during his redshirt year, and he was always the, the shooter. So okay. he was always simulating the other team's best, best shooter. shooter. So basically he had ultimate green light all year working against Nebraska starters, and he caught a He's lot a of attention shooter. then. He's a great shooter. And I made this comment to uh, – so Trey and Bryce were back in town for their camp on Friday, and I said, if Sam Hoiberg was 6'4", probably a four-star recruit. Yeah. And Trey was like, absolutely. Yeah. And, you know, they are talking about a four- and five-star recruit themselves. My favorite line was Hoiberg, Coach Hoiberg said, because my, my fear was that he was going to try to dunk yeah. that last layup. <laughs> <laughs> Did he you imagine that? Say that? He said, what were you thinking? Somebody asked him, what were you thinking yeah. when Sam had the breakaway? He goes, my fear was he's going to try to dunk it. <laughs> Just go up and tomahawk it. <laughs> he missed the dunk. Oh, that would have been bad. But no, it was the perfect, just fundamentally sound layup. Yeah, you laid oh, it, it in. Perfect. That would have been just so Nebraska ball. Like, he goes up from, like, this air bricks you know, dunk. But you know what he did he made the play he Got finished the, the play yep. and they won the game yeah he jumped that he jumped that inbound all right when we come back we'll take your questions in the mailbag you're listening here to the husker online show you're a podcast listener and this is a podcast ad reach great listeners like yourself with podcast advertising from lips and ads choose from hundreds of top podcasts offering host endorsements or run a reproduced ad like this one across thousands of shows to reach your target audience with lips and ads Go to lipsandads.com now. That's L-I-B-S-Y-N-Ads.com. This is Husker Online, your authority on Nebraska athletics. And we're back here on the Husker Online Show with Sean Callahan, Steve Sipple, Robin Washett. Uh, time to bring in Abby Barmore as we take your questions in the mailbag. Abby, what is leading us off this week? All right, first one. What makes Dylan Rayola so good, and why is he the number one player in the 2024 class? I mean, just arm talent, strength, poise. I, I watched his workout when he got his offer from Nebraska. Um, it was Scott Frost, Mario Verdusco, Ryan, Lu- or, uh, Coach uh, Lubick back then leading that workout. And I turned – we didn't know he was a five-star yet. And I, I turned to Greg Peterson. I go, Greg, this is – as impressive of a young quarterback as I've ever seen doing this job. Like you could just see the way his, the ball flies out of his arm and and just the things that he does. And for him to get the offers that he did before he even played varsity football, you know, that's what Georgia saw. That's what Texas saw. That's what all these programs saw. I wonder how much of the intangibles figure into it too. He's from a family that's very enthusiastic about football. His dad played 13 seasons in the NFL. They love football. Okay, they love it in that family. And he, he's obviously very intelligent. And his dad is very intent on him being – I mean, he's, they're going to have a private coach and all that. Um, it's all there for him. And here's the thing, uh, intangibles. I met Dylan just for the first time on the, the Oklahoma game when Nebraska played at Oklahoma. And he's a very disarming kid. Like, he's, he's precocious in that way. He's just a super nice – you know, some kids don't look you in the eye anymore. He just looks you right in the eye, shakes your hand. He's just—I just think a lot of it that pack. A lot of it's intangible. <laughs> of course, you have this intangible, this tangible package of a six-foot-four guy with a gun. Mm-hmm. You know, so it's all—it's pretty much all there. That's the number one player in the country. Do you see Nebraska keeping two kickers on scholarship, or does Timmy Bleakroad hit the hit the portal? That's a great question. Um, 
they have time to figure that out. That's uh, but the thing is, Alvano, Tristan Alvano, the freshman, is not here yet. So, well, he won't be here for spring ball. It's not like Ooh. they can. Mm-hmm. I, I I think they're going to go one year, probably with two, if I had to guess. Um, but if Alvano wins that job, I can't imagine Bleak Road's here for two more years this year, next year. You think they would do a deal where like, if that's the case, would they just work Alvano like? Maybe start him out as like the kickoff the, specialist. The kickoff specialist, like Frankie was. I but if he's better, that's what I'm saying. Like maybe, and then eventually, if there's issues with Bleak Road or anything like that, I mean, they're gonna they're gonna let him battle it out. That's yeah. a thing. And yeah. but Alv- but but if they have two kickers, do you think Alvana will play? No, I mean, I think you play the best guy, and they they played Frankie because he had the stronger leg. Right. Alvano has that kind of leg strength. And accuracy, both. Frankie didn't have the accuracy. Alvano's as good as you're going to ever see coming out of the high school ranks. Yeah, it will, but you don't, you know, you don't want to get in the business of handing guys jobs. No, but you know? what he did in the state championship game off the ground, not a tee box, big difference. Right. And so I, that that will play itself out. But you know, the good thing for Timmy Bleak Road, regardless, he's got his degree. He's a graduate. He's in graduate school. He got his degree at Furman already. So. Regardless, he, he's got that side of life figured out, and I'm sure kind of it's a matter of what he'll do, but I would expect him to be here for at least one more year. What game are you most excited for this upcoming football season? Prime. It's, yeah. hard, it's hard not to say Colorado at this point. The buildup on Colorado. I mean, it's going to – Prime. Is that going to be a Fox game? Is that going to be a um, – you know, I guess well, it can't be NBC because it's a Pac-12 game, mm-hmm. so – Will will Fox put prime in prime time? I can't imagine that's a big noon kickoff out there, which would be 10 a.m. in Boulder. Yeah. yeah, how about, Sean, you retweeted this just to add to this discussion that Colorado has sold has sold 30,000 tickets to their spring. They're going to sell that thing and out. They didn't even used to sell tickets. <laughs> right. This is, I think this is the first time. Yeah. They've sold tickets, and they've sold 30,000 so far. Yeah, I mean, that's got to be a packed stadium. We know that, right? That stadium's got to be jam-packed. Uh, Sean, come on, that's got to be a night game. Right? If the Pac-12 somehow got gets saved, like Prime is like a big part of it. Like if he can get their profile raised up a little bit more too. I mean, I, I don't know if it's going to happen though. I think there's too many other things going on with the Pac-12 and the TV deal. I mean, you saw the, t- the Pac-12 announced their new TV partner might be Apple TV. Oh, God. Um, I, I Sorry, Apple TV. I, I um, There goes that sponsorship. I want... <laughs> I wonder if – I don't know if I want to say brilliant hire by Colorado yet. I, I think it, you can't yeah, we'll do that see. before they play a game. It's accomplishing everything they'd hoped so far. Yeah. It's amazing nobody else thought to hire Prime. Well, Sean, how do you know? Come on. I, but, I think I think he was in the Auburn mix a little bit, right? But, yeah, Auburn's tried to go conventional on, like, all the hires they who, – who did Auburn even hire? Uh, don't do this to me, Sean. Like, uh, they hired the guy from Liberty. Hugh Freeze. Uh, yeah, Hugh Freeze. Yes. I mean, you're, they you're just kind of familiar with Hugh Freeze. Sure. Auburn just kind of stays on brand with their hire. Like, it hasn't really consistently worked out for them. Like, this would have been interesting. I agree. Like, I agree with you. Could Sean. you imagine the entertainment of Saban and Prime in the same state? Here's the thing about Prime, though. What coaches will tell you now, see, we do this thing where we say he's not conventional. I mean, he, what was his record at Jackson State, Sean? Twenty nine and six, twenty nine and seven. It, what you hear coaches say about him all the time is tough team, tough team, tough be, between the lines. You can talk about prime and all the flash, but between the lines, players hit. Conventional though, in the sense that he's got cameras on him at all. T- I mean, like yeah. that kind of like that's I what I mean. You. Like yeah. the, he's like a Kardashian football coach, where, where, oh, where his brand is yeah, bigger than the right. programs. Okay. There's a good yeah, that's a good point. That's a heck of Colorado's a place where they're okay with that. Yeah. Because the Colorado brand had disappeared to nothing. Yeah. I don't you know what? That doesn't play well everywhere. No. Where the coaches That's when people were rooming him to Nebraska. It's like, no, there's no way. Can uh, you imagine no. him doing all that stuff here and like uh-uh. that ticket will be the most expensive Nebraska ticket we've seen it's, probably since the Notre Dame game I think in we're South he- Bend. Yeah, I think we're hearing four hundred, five hundred already. He, but I mean, seriously, that's the opening game for Prime in Boulder. They play at TCU, then Nebraska. At T- okay, wow. So that's his first game. It's going to be a huge staged game. The ratings going to be gigantic. Nebraska fans will travel. That will be arguably the most expensive Nebraska ticket we've seen in twenty years. Are we? T- we're talking about this as being more exciting to us than the Michigan game. 
Or Minnesota, the yeah. old Matt Rule debut on the road against a Big Ten opponent on a Thursday night. Yeah. yeah. There's a lot of so, – a West Division foe. Like, there's a ton at stake. Matt Rule, game. the first right. two games, like, he's going to be nationally staged for two, <laughs> two straight games. Interesting. I mean, hey, Isn't that interesting? hey, guys, but Nebraska's dead. The brand's nothing. But, oh, yeah. <laughs> they're, but it's they're going the to get 5 million viewers for uh, two straight oh, weeks to are. watch them. They are. You're right. It's going to be interesting. Now, now, it's interesting from the standpoint. There's a little pressure there. A lot of pressure. On rule. What if they right. lay eggs don't in say both that. those games? Yeah, don't say that. You know what? what? One thing that helps you, I'm going to say it. You got a returning starter at quarterback. You got stability at that position. You got two guys that hey, you got two returning starters. You got Georgia Tech's returning starter and Nebraska's returning starter. (laughs) I love it. it. Casey Thompson. (laughs) We got time for about two more, Abby Barmore. Okay. What specifically will Donovan Rayola be changing about the way Nebraska trains his offensive lineman? Ooh, hard to say that. Hard to say. Yeah, I don't know. I mean I don't know how to answer that. I think figuring out I think the offensive style they run, I, I felt like Whipple didn't run a system that complemented them very well. It's <laughs> a good way to put like it. Like when you run straight handoff game, mm-hmm. it's pretty easy to defend that and go against that. Oh, 100%, Sean. When when yeah. you traditionally drop the quarterback back right. and it's obvious passing situations, it's hard on the O-lines. Yeah. I think they've got to create a system that keeps you off balance. And coaching to an established identity, I think, is a big part too. Great where point. your game plan doesn't fluctuate from – Air it out, chuck it down deep, and you know, or just like dink and dunk down the field. Like I, I think that was a big part of the offensive line struggles. Was each they didn't know what offense they were going to be. Oh, there's no question. And so right. how do you block to that? So I think having some sort of consistency in what is expected of them will go a long way into improving them. In house, Sean, come on, you know, you wrote about it, you've written about, it, you know, in house, it wasn't good with Donovan and Whipple. I don't no. think. I, well, and Whipple didn't help him. Like no, he hung him out to dry. No, right. Like Oklahoma game. Think about what they did in that Oklahoma game. Yeah. They went like 13 straight possessions without points. Yeah. Yeah. You're right. I don't, yeah. I mean, you heard the stories. I don't, it just wasn't a very comfortable situation. No. I mean, it, and they were really fortunate the way they played on offense to beat Rutgers, <laughs> to beat Indiana. Yeah. Indiana, they had some plays in that game. No, but, they had some plays in that game. But some of their, I mean, their offensive play wasn't great. At time, I mean, the time of possession wasn't there, as we know. Mm-hmm. I think just simply getting a running quarterback game back into the system. I think that could help. It's going to help a lot of things around. And it. you're going to get A.J. Allen back, too. All right, final question. Sunday was legend, Legends weekend for Nebraska basketball, and there was a lot of greats there. What are some of your favorite memories from those players and those great teams? Hoppin was a great memory for me. Dave Hoppin was he's the all-time leading scorer. Um, and he was a very fundamentally sound big man. Blew out his knee. He would I put in a higher draft pick. He still got drafted. He played in an era where, when you talk about inside outside, inside outside games, they had Brian Carr and Hoppin, and that was almost you. Now, now I was going to say it's about as good as it gets at Nebraska. Then along came Tyron Lue and Vincent Hamilton. Mm-hmm. So when I think of inside outside games at Nebraska, it's hard to beat those two. Tominaga Walker, I'm not going to say belongs in that category, yeah, but it's yet. pretty good. It's pretty good. Yeah, it's better than we've seen in a while. Yeah, it's pretty good. Uh, you know, for me, I just like watching. It wasn't just that weekend, but I think over the last few months, your your guy Eric Strickland coming back. Yeah. I mean, he was all over that alumni. He was like basically like the the player rep leading all that stuff. He was at was all he? the all the events. Uh, you know, he was on the court and just. Him being around, you know, he he hasn't been in Nebraska for a long time. I mean, he was living down in Texas mm-hmm. and was just kind of in and out. But uh, he's been around the program a lot. He goes over there a lot and talks to the players. And, you know, of all the former players that have done it at the collegiate level, done it at the NBA level, he's right at the top as yeah. far as guys that ten-year NBA players play. yeah. can relate to. And so I think that's that was a perfect example of just kind of his reinvolvement with the program that was really fun for me to see yeah hey here's the thing sean i had one thing about eric you're you're around him i'm around him a lot because i we work at the same radio station he's just a genuinely nice guy oh yeah like there's just nothing he's the most unassuming 10-year nba player i can imagine his half court shot robin (laughs) 
the so they it brought a, him out. It was brutal. Like I saw it. I mean, it was a trip to Chicago on the line. <laughs> who the hell? He probably tried to miss. I mean, <laughs> who wants to go to Chicago right now? Well, but if it was the Bahamas, I bet he would have made one. But you're like one of the most prominent Husker legends, and you grazed rim on one of the. So five I turned to my shots. wife. I go, I go. He, he's going to make one of these. Like this is an NBA guy. He's going to easily make have a shot. He didn't even come close. There was no incentive. I remember back a in the day, trip to Chicago was on the line. Back back in the day, there was a chance where you could have like a, a former player or like a special Davison. guest shoot it, and the kids Matt Davison shoot it for him. Davison just steps up there and just swishes it. No way. Wins the kid like a whole bunch of money. Are you kidding? From yeah. half court. From half court. Davison. Yeah, did? he was doing radio back then. Really? Yeah. All right. He so he took his suit off? Headset off, switches a three. There you go, kid. <laughs> That's so dangerous. Matt's freaky. That's, That's so, so dangerous. My, my memory was Keith Mooney seeing him down there. First of all, I didn't realize how little he was, but I go back a little guy, yeah. to uh, the 90. He was on the 90-91 team, right? Yeah, I think so, Robin. He Robin that, would know that better than I would. That that overtime game in, in Kemper when they beat Oklahoma, 117-113. And all the guys fouled out of the game. And Chubbuck was a freshman. Pikowski was a freshman. And, and Chubbuck, they still show that clip of him sprinting down the floor and blocking that shot. And then Mooney hit a shot to send it to overtime. Okay. A three at the top okay. of the key. Yep. Yeah, Three-pointer with six seconds left in the game. Tied Good it job. at 100. Good job, Sean. And the Huskers eventually won an OT. My, I just remember my dad and I were watching that and jumping around the living room. Because I mean, it, it was, to this day, I would love to watch that film of that game. Because that was exciting. And Pajkowski was just a young pup. Yep. And he had to come in because all these guys fouled out. And yep. he, he was hitting shots. And they ended up getting beat that year in the finals to Missouri, 90-82. Okay. Um, but they were they were 26-6 and six going into that championship game against Missouri. Man. They were a three-seed Sipple. Yeah, oh, I remember that vividly. I remember that. Going into the tournament yeah. that year. And they lost their first round. Where game. was Pajkowski? Was he down? I didn't see him down there, Robin. No, he wasn't down there. He's he's come back a couple times, but you know. I mean, he lives in Omaha. Yeah, he Who might knows. have been doing something else. He's a busy guy. He's probably out in Arizona or Phoenix or. But all right, yeah, that that was a great Legends weekend. When we come back, we'll close the show. Some new rule changes potentially coming in college football. We'll give our thoughts on that next. You're listening to the Husker Online Show. You're a podcast listener, and this is a podcast ad. Reach great listeners like yourself with podcast advertising from Lips and Ads. Choose from hundreds of top podcasts offering host endorsements, or run a reproduced ad like this one across thousands of shows to reach your target audience with Lips and Ads. Go to lipsandads.com now. That's L I B S Y N ads.com. This is Husker Online, your authority on Nebraska athletics. Final segment here of the Husker Online Show. Sean Callahan, Steve Sipple, Robin Washett. I uh, want to close on to some national discussion, some rule changes uh, coming into college football, at least proposed rule changes. And really the crust of it, guys, is to shorten the game. Uh, they want to eliminate icing the kicker where you take all three timeouts or two timeouts in a row. Um, I'll be know, eliminated. No, uh, no longer extending a first or third quarter. Uh, for un- untimed downs, I'll be eliminated. Um, that that's got. But the the big one is um, the clock. Will they continue to run it after our first down? I, I think that that's incomplete. No, the the ones it's... and then the incomplete pass. But I, I think I think you're going to see in college football they stop the clock on first downs. I think that's going to go away. I think they're going to run the clock on first downs. Now that's an easy one. But to me, the controversial one is on an incomplete pass yeah. when the ball gets spotted run the clock i think you're, you would cut out so many plays of a game almost too many in my opinion silly that's like 20 plays a game why you I say bet. that rob like i don't understand like why are you changing the entire like format of the game like college football is a pretty darn good product why are we ruining it so we can fit more commercials in like i that bothers me a lot so the other ones like the first two no-brainers like the this consecutive timeouts like that stuff it's, untimed downs yeah untimed downs the after the first down, I don't know. I always thought that's kind of what made college football unique from the NFL was that you could get a first down and have time to get up and spike it. Like it was, it was a different game management aspect, which personally I, I kind of liked. It's not going to like ruin the sport for me if they keep it. But the the last one, that running clock after an incomplete pass, like what is that? That's here's the thing. What I've been told is don't even worry about it. It'll never happen. It better not. Yeah, that would change. I mean. Then at that point, like records and history books could never like records would never break. So okay, to, to clarify, it's after the ball spotted. I just after wanna, the wanna ball, want to make sure spotted. that's clear. It's right. not like the clock just keeps running. The, the clock stops 
And then once the ball's spotted and they're lined up, then the clock runs. So basically, like, the stoppage after a first down now. Like, defensive coaches would like it. Sure You'd have to would. change the record books because statistics would never be the same because you would automatically have less plays yeah, per less game plays. by far every year. Oh, game. yeah. I mean, right now, that's what, that's what if you look at college and pro, it's so much different. Colleges, you'll see 80 to 90 plays in a, per team in a college game. It's about 55, 60 in the NFL. Now, it would really put an impetus on efficiency on offense. Um, Which favors the Big Ten. Yeah, probably. The way they like to play. A huddle style. It was sort of interesting. I thought of Frost when I was reading this stuff. (laughs) Because Frost would always talk about how in in the American Athletic Conference, they were running like 90 plays a game. And he literally said, and I didn't think it was a good look for him, but he said, you know what, we could run some plays that weren't very good, but it didn't matter because we we're going we're, we're gonna to run By a bunch. sheer volume, we're going to get yeah, more yeah, good exactly. ones. In the Big Ten, it'll work, though. But in the Big Ten, yeah, he said, in the Big Ten, you got to be really efficient. Yeah. Um, so that's 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 my takeaway. But my biggest takeaway is don't even worry about the, the incomplete pass part. It ain't going to happen. It won't happen. Yeah, I mean, I think there's, won't allow there's other ways that you can reduce the time of games, like maybe condensing the replay review, that sort of thing. Like, I don't know. I, I just feel like there's – a lot of dead time in games that you could find a way to tighten up rather than take actual game time off the clock. The average time of game last season in college football was three hours and 21 minutes. Which is just fine. Yeah. I mean, <laughs> okay. I mean, yeah, I guess. I mean, are, are people complaining about that? Probably like the four-hour games, I can see. But like it gets to be that's average. Now keep in mind that what I just said was average. So there are games that are running three forty-five, and we've sat up there and said, "Man, this is a long game." Yeah. Three forty. Injury timeouts really are what extend games, though. That's true. Like what was the? I mean, there was a game where it took a while. I mean, there were a couple. I mean, where mm-hmm. you're waiting for a lot of things. Mm-hmm. Well, I thought the Michigan State game last year, or when Adrian when Adrian got hurt, that was one where there seemed like there's a lot of that, but. I don't know. I'm 321 doesn't bother me too much, but when it gets to be over 340, that seems like a little like and honestly ridiculous. The TV networks want shorter games. I think so. Because then if they can get a 3-hour game, that's more content they can put on after the game to get more commercials in. Right. Where and they don't like the overlap either. And coaches hate the overlap mm-hmm. when okay guys, you're pushed back because the other game ran long. They don't coaches don't ever want to hear that. Yeah. It's going to be interesting. And then I did want to hit on the Pac-12 situation. What it's, is the It's Pac-12? worth noting right now. Ohio State canceled the series with Washington. And, they, and that's coming up in the mid-20s, like 25 and 26. They're supposed to play the home-and-home uh, home series. And <laughs> there's some theory out there, like, what does Ohio State know about, like, maybe what's going to happen? Like, mm. you know, mm. because Ohio State's not one – and Rick Neuheisel had this take. He goes, they're not one to duck anybody. They're not going to duck Washington and the thoughts like, oh, they might play USC or UCLA already that year. Well, what if Washington's in the Big Ten? Hmm. Hmm. Gene so, Smith would maybe be privy to such information hmm. as the next commissioner. But I don't know if he'll be the next I, th- I mean, I, I would like Oregon and Washington to be in the Big Ten. I think it would balance things out better. And then Stanford, Cal, Notre Dame, figure that one out, Whatever, whatever comes out of that group. But – USC and UCLA need more West teams. Oregon and Washington are the two logical teams yeah, to bring in. Yeah, I can't really bite back on that. I like the Big Ten with USC and UCLA. If I, in my ideal world, would just stay there. UCLA, UCA joining, keep it right there. But I think it's inevitable that's going to get. Well, there. then you can create a pod with Oregon, Washington, USC, UCLA. Yeah. And, I agree. Okay, I see what you're saying. And we, I mean, we've been to those venues, and they could they, they would be. Just fine for Big Ten. Oh yeah, that Oregon venue. Now Washington, Oregon venue's small. Washington's sweet. Yeah, Washington's a huge venue, a big venue. Oregon's small though. That's one thing. It, it's loud, and it's nice. It's you, gorgeous, but it's small. Eugene was not what I thought it was going to be. Why? Why is that? I mean, it just was different. Like I. I How so, Sean? <laughs> Careful. <laughs> Careful. <laughs> it's a little freer about? than I was expecting it to be. I liked it. I mean, it was cool. You can't pump your own gas there, though. Yeah. I thought it was cool. Okay. Really? I don't remember that. They didn't have Uber. Yeah. Yeah, it's like a city. They might have it now, but no Uber or Lyft. You had to use the cabs. (laughs) It was like totally – you um, obviously – 
couldn't pump your own gas. <laughs> and uh, there's just things about it. I'm, I'm I usually judge those trips by what the buffet line's like at the game, and it was really good as well, as I recall. Mm-hmm. The press box was the, phenomenal. The, brewer, the breweries before the game were fantastic. Oh, yeah. no, The Friday were... before the game. Let me clarify. Friday before the game. Hey, Outson Stadium <laughs> is 54,000. 54, small. It's not that small. What's pretty small, Rob? We ate at Party Compared Eugene. Compared to Michigan and Ohio State. Problem? Party Eugene, Friday night. Yeah, Bob, 54, Eugene. small. Well, okay. 54 is small by right. any big Well, produce state. that big. No, produce bigger. You know what's not small? Sean, Sean, Sean. You know what's not small? Your Phil head. <laughs> hey, Ross Aid <laughs> Stadium is 57,000. Oh, it is. But aren't they expanding? Like that, that end zone I thought Ross Aid was bigger than that. 57 but, okay. to 36. And Minnesota Stadium is about 55. No, they're like 70. Minnesota, the Gophers. Yes. Oh, never mind. That was U.S. Bank. Hold on. Yeah, go to. Um, have to be more specific. All right. So they are. What's Minnesota? Fifty. Fifty. Small. Small. That makes more sense. Yeah. Oregon could get bigger though. Sure. And it's. I'm not complaining. I mean, it was a beautiful scene. I thought it was a beautiful scene out there. And that place is loud. Ooh, it was loud. That yeah. was Forty-eight to. So 14. keep your eyes, Oregon and Washington. Okay. That's something to watch. Um, Ohio State canceling that series in the mid-20s out of nowhere this past week. So what do they know? Interesting. Mm. All right. Do you think this is imminent? I do. Do you? Well, this and this Apple TV thing for the Pac-12, not good. That's not sustainable. Like, that is not. I mean, I tr- the Major League Baseball Friday night, like, games on Apple TV. I mean, even that. Like, you have to, like, go out of your way to find those. So can you imagine it? 10 o'clock at night or whatever watching Arizona State Arizona no no you know what I can't <laughs> you know I can't imagine it so, so well, we're gonna probably have some games in the Big Ten on the Peacock yeah on the yeah. NBC like they're they're gonna have some streaming only Peacock games or, or you know CBS stream I think Nebraska would avoid most of those but like in the Big 12 they're doing streaming only games right now. Like Kansas Kansas State basketball, a huge game this year. It was ESPN Plus only. God. Yeah, the Nebraska Kansas State game was a Big 12 game and that was streamed on the their little ESPN Plus. Yeah. ESPN Plus and then the the Big 12 network or whatever you want to call it. But all right, well lots to keep up on. Nebraska yeah. basketball 2:30, Nebraska baseball on the road against South Alabama. We'll keep you up to date with all that coverage on HuskerOnline.com. If you're not a subscriber to the podcast, check us out on our podcast channels, anywhere you can find podcasts. Also, find us on YouTube. We put all the shows out on YouTube as well. Um, so we got lots of ways that you can follow and, and keep up. And then check us out at HuskerOnline.com. $30 right now gets you access until August 31st. Thanks again for joining us this week on Husker Online, your authority on Nebraska athletics.